Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. It's been a crazy week. I'm so glad you're with us. Now, let's get started. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are with us uh, for this show. We're going to do a little segment now. We're thinking about calling the F-bomb. Um, no, guys, let's begin with this. Remember, Jesus was a gun-loving nationalist who deeply opposed abortion, was really against immigration, really against gay rights, and he hated uh, communists. Oh, wait, did I say Jesus? I'm, I'm so sorry. I meant Hitler. Hitler, I meant. Jesus was none of that. That was Hitler's agenda. Hitler was the one who banned abortion and hated immigration and gay rights and, and communists. Um, we're, we invite you guys, whether you're listening live or you're listening on the John Beagle Saying podcast or on Sirius XM On Demand or on the app, to always know you can call into us five nights a week from 9 p.m. till 12 midnight Eastern, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time, at 866-997-GRIT. We also invite you to write us anytime at johnfugelsang.com or the Tell Me Everything on SiriusXM Facebook page. We do write back. So there's so much that I want to talk about tonight because we've talked a lot about the revoltingly fake Christianity behind this week's gutting or potential gutting of Roe versus Wade. There's so much that I should be opening with a rant about. Our country just saw a $428,000 428, boost in new jobs added last month. The unemployment rate is still at a near record low of 3.6%. This is a full year, a full year of job growth above 400,000 jobs every month. That is the best stretch since World War II. That is Joe Biden proving he is the anti-Trump. I, I want to talk about how hospitalizations of people with COVID-19 in the U.S. have bumped up to about 20%, bumped up 20% more in the last two weeks. It's getting very scary. I want to talk about how this week is the 10-year anniversary of Vice President Joe Biden coming out during Obama's re-election and announcing he supported same-sex marriage. 
I mean, Republican senators are celebrating this by uh, demanding television content ratings be rejiggered so parents can better defend their children from any shows that might present gay people as people. I I, I, I want to begin with a rant about Mike Pompeo, who really took a swipe at his former boss today. Mike Pompeo claimed there were national security concerns surrounding Dr. Oz, who uh, Donald Trump has endorsed. Mike Pompeo's endorsing the other guy in the Pennsylvania Senate race, the guy who lives in Pennsylvania, unlike Dr. Oz. Kind of funny about that because, you know, when Mike Pompeo was in, in the early days of Trump, you had a guy in the Trump White House who was the national security advisor who was secretly a foreign agent for Turkish government. But Mike Pompeo never had a problem with that particular individual. You know who I'm talking about. Um, I want to talk about Chuck Todd. Who, who is now making the move of his Meet the Press Daily show uh, to be online and how this demotion is being spun as a promotion somehow. It, it's totally insane. They announced to Chuck Todd that he was going to be moving to MSNBC streaming service. And uh, he didn't say anything because Chuck Todd's not allowed to ask follow up questions. I, I, I want to talk about Maggie Haberman with this look at former Defense Secretary Mark Esper's memoir, A Sacred Oath, where he talks about how Donald Trump wanted him to shoot missiles into Mexico to destroy drug labs and then lie and say, we never did it. And Mark Esper was so horrified by this that he said nothing and waited two years to use that information to sell a crappy book nobody's going to buy. I I, want to talk about how Ron DeSantis is celebrating Teacher Appreciation Week by taking seven days off from calling them groomers. But, you know, I I, I can't talk about any of that stuff tonight because I got to talk about the Supreme Court's leaked decision that takes rights away from Americans. Usually when the Supreme Court does something revolutionary, it's to give new rights to Americans. But this is a bold new era of taking rights away from Americans. Now, you guys already know, Tennessee has a trigger law that if Roe is overturned, 30 days after the reversal, nobody will be able to get an abortion in the state unless they're in danger of losing their life. No exceptions for rape. No exceptions for incest. And the Tennessee governor just signed into law a bill making it a crime in that state to mail abortion pills. You can get 20 years in jail or a $50,000 fine for mailing abortion pills to a woman. Almost half of U.S. states now have restrictions on medication abortion. We just found out that, uh, you know, J.D. Vance, the guy who wrote that book, Hillbilly Zealotry, They asked him if a woman should be forced to carry pregnancy to term if it came from rape or incest. And he said he supported forcing women to give birth, even in cases where a pregnancy was, in his words, somehow inconvenient. This is what the Republican Party has become. Trigger laws in 13 states would immediately make abortion a crime in nearly all cases. And some of them make no exception for rape or incest. Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky. Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, North Dakota, South Dakota, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Wyoming. This is what the Republican Party has become. And every day when I try and debate these people, they call me a baby killer, which is really embarrassing because my kid just turned 10. So if I'm a baby killer, guys, I suck at it. I, I've, I've clearly failed. I mean, I had so many chances to be a baby killer. I, I, I could have made it look like an accident. It would have been so easy. But I failed at that. And my child's already a decade old. So here's my point. The time has come for Democrats and moderates and liberals and progressives and atheists and agnostics and people who are anti-evil 
to take religion back from the Pharisees and the hypocrites. Now, I'm not talking about believing in things you don't believe in. I would never tell you to believe in any religious book that doesn't strike you as true. What I'm saying is take religion away from the Pharisees and hypocrites. I'm talking about removing the camouflage that right-wing Christians use to make their actions seem virtuous. Right-wing Christians, those are the people who believe a talking snake was literal fact, but love your enemies was just Jesus being all metaphorical. They're going to try and put women in jail for terminating pregnancies, which the Bible is not against and Jesus never mentioned. And why? You'll hear the same thing. I heard a woman this evening on Anderson Cooper say, I believe in the sanctity of life. They'll keep on saying that. And you might find this in your life when you're debating with your coworker or that jerk from high school you're still friends with on Facebook or your uncle racist or your aunt dead inside. Sanctity of life. Here's a fun exercise. Ask them sometime, what what does the word sanctity mean? Sanctity is one of those bullshit words that sounds really important. We toss it around a lot. The definition of it is the state or quality of being holy, sacred, or saintly. The sanctity of life. They believe that life is holy, sacred, or saintly. Except they don't. Because nine out of ten times, these folks also believe in the death penalty. Or they supported Donald Trump assassinating the general of a country that never attacked us. Or they supported preemptive war in 2004 against the country that never attacked us. They support easy access to AR-15s. Nine times out of ten, these people didn't want vaccines or masks to protect the lives of other Americans. These people vote for a party that wants to cut WIC, that wants to cut SNAP. Their religion has got nothing to do with Jesus. Their religion is convenience. Their religion is criminalizing abortion, which the Bible doesn't call for. Their religion is pretending they're better than other people. These are the fake Christians who control our government, even though, even though the majority of Americans have voted against their party. For Bush and for Trump, the majority of Americans voted against their party controlling the Senate. The Republican Senate is 50% of the Senate, but they represent 40 million fewer Americans than the Democratic Party in the Senate. This is the party of fake Christians who are fighting right now to let rapists be able to pick the mother of their next child. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. In 1989, a Toronto sketch comedy sensation Kids in the Hall premiered on your TV on HBO and immediately 
Uh, change comedy influenced a generation of humorists, brought satire back to sketch. It had only been an animation for a long time and made life better for millions of people like me. Uh, Kids in the Hall's influence is like the Big Bang. It is still expanding. And over the years, the show migrated to CBS. And then, of course, Comedy Central. There were tours, films, uh, breakups, reunions, and many terrific solo projects from all the members. And now Dave Foley and Bruce McCullough, Kevin McDonald, Mark McKinney, and Scott Thompson are back with a new season of the show on Amazon Prime. It is innovative and familiar at the same time. The best thing Lauren Michaels ever gave us has now become the best thing Jeff Bezos has ever given us. There's also a terrific new documentary, Kids in the Hall, Comedy Punks. Uh, I've had the honor of having several of these gentlemen on the show. It's a huge thrill to welcome all five kids. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I guess you didn't see the new show that Lauren did because I think that eclipsed the new show. Yes. Yes. What are you talking about? From the new show from 30 years ago. (laughs) Yes. More than 30 years ago. 40. Um, It's great to have you all, but I'm only going to be speaking to Kevin today. Kevin, thank you for being with us. He remembers everything anyway. (laughs) Um, How does this media tour compare to previous media tours? With the troop, um, uh, it's uh, I, I'm just starting. I've missed a lot so far, so I've not, I'm, and I'm nervous. Uh, I, I, I'm just starting. Uh, how's it been going, Dave? Yeah, up until up until you just panicked, we were, we were doing fine. It's really, so yeah, that sad. is sad. Yeah, like, that's, I would have made a joke about the bus. You, you kneecapped or something. Yeah, you just kneecapped you nothing there. You kneecapped our media right now. <laughs> I feel guilty that I've. Uh, I'm just getting in now. Well, Kevin's just come from a. Run, uh, he was done a Shakespearean. That's run, right. So he wants to talk, talk an iambic pentameter. That's why he's uh, stumbling. <laughs> yeah. What is I make? It's but um but um but um. What's what you were just doing? What you've been doing? But um but um but um. I. Think it's going well? Do you think it's going well, Mark? Yeah. You do. You think you made a bad we choice do. with single note? Like no, no. I mean, that's exactly like the Taxman character uh, from the Gas Show. So it's, it's brilliant. The very first sketch on the very first episode of the new show uh, is quintessentially what Kids in the Hall is about. Because David begins with a, 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 par- a couple talking about the gender of their upcoming baby, and then automatically goes from satire into absurdity. Like you think you're getting one thing, and then it just becomes ridiculous. And I, I have to imagine you guys were very excited to deal with contemporary tropes of people. Um, oh, yeah, gender I guess reveal party so. was, you know, I expected oh, one thing, and yeah. then I'm Trevor. Whose whose idea was the gender reveal party? I can't I even think. It was mine, and then yours? Scott took it for a while. Yeah, um, I, I I think we don't think about whatever we do. We just write it, and it turns that way. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting you say the word satire. I don't think we've like we know we do satire. We've never said that out loud in the writers' room, you know. And we never really talk about what we're doing or what we're going to do. It's just <laughs> or like, a little I have a satiric idea. Satire. Yeah. No, yeah. We like it. it. We like satire it. Satire is what closes on Sunday <laughs> night. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, you never call it that, which is wise, because it, it yeah. does close on Sunday. But like, I yeah. think when I, I think of like live action satire and sketch, there's Python, there's Mr. Show, and there's Kids in the Hall. That's yeah. that's it. Everything else is parody. Yeah, and I, I think I mean our, our main thing is that the goal the goal is always to make the other four guys laugh so that you can get it in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so we and apparently the things that. Uh, the things that we we each seem to find funny, I guess, qualifies as satire. But it's it's mostly just making the other guys laugh. Well, I guess satire is just making fun of everything. So isn't we always hated pet parody? Parody is making fun of everything. Is satire that, is uh, what's a smart satire is like defending your targets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 making a point. Making yeah. a point. Well, yeah. being funny. 
while being fun. Gulliver's Travels. Sort of yeah, becoming right. something to kind of make fun of it or make light of it. Idiocracy yeah. is satire. It's truly social yeah. satire. Yeah, I think most satire today is in animation. That was interesting yeah. you said yeah. that. Yeah. I thought, yeah. wow, this guy's pretty smart when you well, said yeah, that. Oh, yeah. I, thank you. Yeah. I stole yeah. all of this from old Jeff I mean, Foxworthy am- tapes. So yeah. there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. South Park is still going. I mean, they, right. they, yeah. they've, they've survived this era. Yeah, and still doing it. But yeah, yeah and, but no one survived it like with live action. Yeah, but we're hopefully yeah. hoping to bring that back because now we're at the age when we should be animated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a good question. You were sitting on that. I could tell the look in yeah. your face. You were I sitting was, on Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Sitting on that. In, in watching the new show, there, there's a lot that's familiar. I mean, the the opening credits are a match of the original. Uh, a lot of familiar characters. The music is still the same. The biggest change for me, uh, I think, was there's no live audience, and I wonder. Yeah. What was the creative? Not the lines on my neck. That's not. <laughs> That's lovely too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but what Sorry, was the live creative uh, process that went into deciding that you weren't going to do this with a live audience? No, we wanted COVID. to do it with a live audience. It was all about COVID. The, the whole idea yeah. was of this was like let's let's yeah. just do the gumbo we used to do: live sketches, film sketches. And individual pieces as opposed to a single narrative story like Brain Candy or, or Death Comes to Town or something like that. Right. Because for us, I mean, for me anyway, Kids in the Hall is a Bruce piece followed by Scott Feast, followed by Dave and Kevin, and maybe I get something in there. And the gumbo <laughs> is... The, the he's saying Rumbo like, so much. I'm getting I really did. Did. I got to come to restaurant. He was just in New Orleans, I think. <laughs> yeah. I was just in New Orleans a little while ago. So, yeah. And the gumbo <laughs> there, very good. They love it there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's yeah like, we really, I think we did really, me- I, I know I personally really missed the live audience, although I'm very proud with w- the way we did it. And we did do, uh, we did try doing a Buddy Cole piece with a live audience that was all brought in, like they were fake. It did not work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know. I'm, but it's in the show anyway. It's not even 22 time. minutes. Yeah, it's not even. With, you know, on streaming, it's, it's 25, like 25 26. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's almost a full half hour you got to fill. Uh, I mean, it, it's in watching it, I kept, and you, the way you describe it, Mark, it's like the White Album. I mean, and you're George trying to get a song in there. Yeah. But it does yeah. seem like, you know, and it's still very collaborative. What I, what I felt watching the new show is this is like a sequel to season four in that because there's no live audience, it's really a, that whole element of short films mm. yeah. that you Good did so you. well. Season yeah. That's season mm-hmm. four yes, was. Good yeah. For you. yeah, we were moving like I think as the series went on before, we were always moving more and more into the single camera stuff. That that yeah. was, was, was we were finding it more we were finding it more fun to write for the single camera stuff than for the uh, live audience stuff. It was, it's it was harder to harder. write like small one act plays all the time. Like there's so many small one act plays. Yeah, the multi like like this multi camera yeah, yeah, setup yeah. we have. Yeah. yeah, and laughter takes up time too. When you have to write so much material, when you have the laughter, you've got oh, that's three seconds I don't have to write. Yeah, exactly. you have to like, and that's very helpful. Have an that's extra half a sketch for this, yeah. and you don't have to share the money with the audience. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> true. Uh, I'm curious, what role did improv play in developing the new sketches? Because the documentary. Oh. Is wonderful and it is so much about how so many of these characters and dynamics were born of the time you spent in comedy sports when you're writing now I know you all have your own process but what role does improv play none uh, <laughs> other than unless you call it imp- like yeah, writing is writing, improv, in it a way. What you call as, we're, as we're writing we write we we use the I guess the skills we learned in improv to write and we're pretty sort of quickly out stuff and then we write it down yeah like uh, Citizen Kane you th- uh, you thought of the idea oh they're talking about Citizen Kane show, again everybody. <laughs> and then we were sort of like yeah. I know, can you believe they don't yeah. want they don't yeah. want yeah. I don't think that's the film you mean with Orson Welles we wrote the Orson Welles classic yeah yeah we yeah that sketch took as long to write as it takes to Perform yeah. basically, and, right. but uh, yeah, we. I mean, we can. I. I guess we call it spritzing. Yeah, which is you spritz out an idea, which is you know you you everybody, you know just ad libs lines until you get a, a rough idea of how the sketch 
is shaped. But, but then, there is then, an then, element then of improv in, when we're shooting. In when the, we're in shooting. If, 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 we, if we hit something and it's not working, we we're, fix the, it. We're, the, we're the judge and jury on that. Right. We, can, we can try and remember what we were going for and, and change it up, and, and it happens right away. It's yeah. really efficient in terms of doing comedy. Yeah. Have your individual writing styles evolved? Since yes. the original show, oh, I think we're all better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. is that evolving? Yeah, yeah. I actually yes. enjoyed writing this time. I Scott, Scott started using consonants. <laughs> well, and his paper. early stuff was all vowels and line to paper. <laughs> yeah, I think this has evolved. You know, the thing about this group that's better than anybody else I've ever worked with is you can have nothing. Like I, I know other shows I've worked on or other people or I work on a show called The Tall Boys where they want yeah. to have their pitches ready. Um, it's just like, I remember when, we didn't make it in because we, we had too much material, but I remember when we were first started in, in LA and I said, I said, what about the wonderful world of recycling? And everybody just <laughs> stared at me for a minute. And then Mark somehow that put that to life and then it was this cool, weird, Kafka-esque piece about uh, you haven't been recycling right and it was just like <laughs> you have nothing you just go mm, our, oh that was a good our, our mailbox is funny it, it still yeah. exists yeah we should do that yeah. I miss oh. Water Farm that's yeah. the one yeah. I keep yeah. thinking oh, yeah. about we're gonna oh, all of that if there's a second season we'll take all the rejected stuff and what stuff. about Angie yeah. the yeah. HIV unicorn that was a good piece too <laughs> oh, yeah. it was you just said though that you, you, you like the writing more like for me writing was always uh, so you'd have something to perform it wasn't about the writing Yeah. but does, has it become more of a joyful experience to do the mechanics of it? I think I realized something just unbelievably late, which is this. When you have a premise, your first move should always be, how can I make this dumber, for lack of a better right. word? Just get aggressively stupid <laughs> on it. And and it kind of works in most cases. Yeah, you haven't yeah. read the early reviews yet, Mark. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> saying, in the documentary, this phrase that keeps, a couple phrases keep coming up, but one of them is outsiders, outsiders mm. of comedy. And yeah, Bruce is big on that. For, yeah. He loves that word. Well, He's I'm an outsider, that's well, why. Well, no, we are. Right? Like, I, he is a huge outsider. I appreciate outsider. that, but I think for, for, for a lot of young people, for me, people who felt like outsiders saw this as something that we were welcomed into. Right. And I'm curious how you've all come to feel about the mythos that has evolved about the original show. I think we're proud of it. Yeah. I think more than I think, yeah, I think we're really, really proud. I think we're definitely proud of um, like all the response we've gotten over, over the past like 30 years from people who said that the show made them feel less lonely. You know, yeah. especially as I think, especially a lot of like a lot of gay kids, that, you know, back in the, you know, the uh, yeah. late eighties and early nineties, when it was really hard to be gay, especially kids like in rural communities. Right. Yeah, I, I remember going I, to know. this thing called Making Treaty Seven, which was a, a show about indigenous people in Canada. And all these indigenous, cool, like now 40-year-old queer kids or two-spirit or whatever came up and, and literally hugged me and they said, we didn't have anything up there, right? They were all up on the reservations, wherever they were. Yeah. But we didn't have anything queer up there well that's why I think it was a great thing that we all voted for Scott to be gay yeah, <laughs> yeah. really yeah, could either way Man, I like pussy so much before I he loved it. it oh my god he was the biggest pussy hound <laughs> in <laughs> Toronto my, my friend in the next room is an indigenous two-spirited Canadian and she literally just pumped her fist hey, while you yeah. <laughs> North Bay <laughs> Bay you know uh, Bruce, one another expression that keeps coming up is Gen X comedy, which no one ever said back in the 90s. Right. And now I keep hearing it was Gen X comedy. I think most Gen X people hear Gen X and they say whatever. I'm deeply curious <laughs> what that well, phrase connotes for you guys when you hear it. Well, I, well, I remember, I remember hearing Doug Copeland on the radio who wrote the book uh, Generation X. 
that that gave rise to the use of the term. Uh, I rem- I remember him when he was on the book tour for that book saying Kids in the Hall is the only Gen X comedy troupe. And uh, <laughs> I've got a, actually a picture on my phone which I just found of of him backstage in Vancouver when we played that very first time out there, and he was one of the first kind of like celebrities to show up backstage. You know? Yeah, I actually yeah. do feel that the kids in the hall were like uh, Generation X was that book and Nirvana. I think the three yeah. of us were th- yeah. three pillars hey, of Hey guys, do you remember when, when Kevin Smith came to Kitchener to watch to oh, see our show and we, none of us we talked awful. to him? We had a yeah. bad show and none of us talked to him. It was the <laughs> weirdest. Yeah. Hey, I want to apologize to Kevin Smith He was so excited to meet us and someone told me he was really disappointed. That's the most Gen X thing you could have possibly done in a Gen X moment. I saw him a few weeks ago. I should have. I didn't remember that. I've already I, did I didn't remember to him, but I remember. Hadn't we, we just were also been a little mean to him? We well, we were kind we were a little why? mean to. I don't know because we we had a terrible show. I think we had we were, a good show. We were good show mean. What did I you take a swing at Kevin Smith? Kevin Smith took a swing. We had a weird. We had a weird fan that had just given us a bag of cow eyes. No, that was Vancouver. That was Vancouver. And that was the guy who used you to run know, the I've stand-up club. I've always blamed my bitchiness on because I was the freaked no. out by the cow eyes. So, Sean, we have the clip Kids in the Hall trash Kevin Smith no, that in 2022. <laughs> we have the promo clip here. Yeah. No, Kitchener-Waterloo is where you ripped up Brian Hart's Bible, and he looked at you, you and said, you don't rip up. up his motel Bible. Well, yeah, well, of course, when you're going, if you're going to have a drink or two with Brian Hart and the troop, <laughs> you take the Gideon's Bible out of the drawer and rip it all up and in front of it on the bed. I believe Mark helped you. I was not there. I heard about this the next day just because someone did an impression of heart like fixing Bruce and yeah. going you don't rip up a guy's Bible you don't rip up a guy's that's a little too far I've never read it never will but you still don't rip up a guy's yeah, Bible Sorry. I want to wrap for you yes please what would be the definition of Gen X comedy because I think we're a little older than Gen X but the, 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 the what would make us Gen X well, we are. Yeah, I mean you think you're older than Gen X because you were in the 80s you started in 85 but honestly Gen X claimed you which makes it Gen X comedy and what's the definition right, yeah. of Gen X comedy yeah. I think Gen X is a, what I call demographical harassment um, I think that this is how they sell you nostalgia. I think this uh, is how they yeah. market to you. They find a way of calling you the greatest generation or boomers or Gen Y or Gen Z. And I think it's all marketing bullshit because right. every generation has incredible diversity. And that's yeah. the most yeah. Gen X possible answer I could have of rejecting my own label. And well, there's well, there's only like uh, uh, like demographers, I guess is the term. Uh, demographers. Yes, are, my grandfather was one yeah, of the minds. That, that, the, the baby boom really exists because it was in response to a cultural phenomenon. Yes. So a cult- if, a, if a generation is named after a cultural phenomenon, like for example, uh, the, the the lost generation that came out of the First World War. That's the first time yes. they named generations. You know? Yes, and and the <laughs> but, baby boom is a response to trying to repopulate the planet after yes. the after the uh, the Second World but War. But Gen X is the forgotten generation, yeah. And, and it's all yeah, but and none of them really mean anything. No, like, I mean most people skip from boomers to millennials, and yeah, we never happened. Gen Z, which is weird like, because uh, I was associated Gen X, because, especially because of the books with the the it's the computer generation. It's the first. Computer literate That's generation, yeah. and you're the one that brought computers to us. Yes, yeah. and, oh, we're yeah. the, and we were the um, one of the first TV shows to have an online presence. That's true. For, That's those, true. for yeah. those listening at home, we have not made a joke in two minutes. That's true. <laughs> Let's go. Come on. Is well, that a let joke? me. That's let me. Yeah. That's that might explain why no one's listening yeah. at home. You're you're a smart guy. Do you think us doing a show again is cynical? Or no, are you, not at all. Why would you right. well, I don't well, know. I don't think it's cynical at all. Do you think that us doing a show again is cynical? Do I think Paul McCartney touring at 80 is cynical? No, I mean you're artists, you're entertainers. Right. This is what you do. Yeah. This is this is yeah. what. Yeah, I'm yes. a stand up. I, I just never wanted stop. to seek your approval. I think the way we did oh, it is I, not I, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. I I, I want to reference Paul Bellini 
once. Oh, good. Um, and he says in this documentary that you guys were trying to uh, upset people and entertain them. And I actually thought, well, that's what punk music was. Yes. And hugely right. entertaining and upsetting the right people. And I, I, I said this earlier, I always saw the five of you as uh, some Bob Dylans, five Bob Dylans, and that you were always not trying to please anyone, but listening to the sound you heard in your head, and you didn't care if what came out went over the heads of some of the people in the crowd. Mm. Bob Dylan with the band. No. I, I yeah. wouldn't say Bob Dylan. I think that's too generous. I would say Guided by Voices <laughs> okay. or the Pixies. Well, that's and, much hipper. And with him, yeah. war. <laughs> he pointed at Scott Thompson. Yeah. The Pixies always felt like a parallel <coughs> career. They, yeah. Probably because we played their music nonstop. Yeah. All the time. I, like I every thought year. Nirvana. That's the band Nirvana that, I thought was, that, we, yeah. that I thought we we yeah. were like comedy except yeah. you got to have a reunion yeah and i mean were, and the pixies yeah. got back and the pixies opened for you too just like you guys i'm so. sticking by yeah. calypso rose <laughs> yeah i, I want to talk about uh about the word um fag oh because uh yeah. you know it's amazing looking at the culture i always felt that you guys took that word back from the bigots right and now it feels like oh Lord. the culture has taken that word back from you yeah. totally they absolutely have and then they force they, they call me queer and i'm like wait i didn't sign off on that yeah so i, mean, I don't so, get yeah. it like i mean you go the last thing that a gay man in my generation heard before the fist connected with the skull were two words queer or faggot yeah so why can i not call myself a faggot but straight people could call me queer i know I no, yeah. that's hillary stupid. hillary clinton well, campaigning can talk about queer culture. Yeah, and I'm yeah. Going, like, you know, seriously. Yeah. It's academia. So, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm very confused by it. And, I, and, I, and, and they would not let us do it. Amazon would not let us say the word. Like really? We wrote a piece called The Running F Word, which was a continuation of The Running Faggot. And that was not allowed to be done. Yeah. And that I think was we've, painful. We've lost the lesson that was taught uh, back, in I think, in the 50s that repression of words lends them their power. Yeah. And uh, so now we've Lenny just- Bruce forever. Yeah, we've, yeah. we've kind of just gone back to taking these these ugly words and, and really just by pumping them full of steroids. Yeah, and making we put them the F-word and the N-word together in a room and now they're beating each other up and they're gonna come out so much more powerful. Yeah, And it's I true. find it very uh, uh, stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I wrote running F word. You did. Um, yeah. And it was part because a reaction For to- For Chris Farley, to and he being, refused to do it back then. <laughs> um, to, to being in Calgary, wearing a pink shirt like I'm wearing today, and being chased down the street, and being called that by guys in trucks, and it's like making him a folk hero. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's the intention of it. But I also get that some people don't like that word, and if they don't like it, um, and if people want to be called thems and theys, I, I, I value that. Well, I think, I like I think that. it's the younger people They're who weren't alive, younger that. people who weren't around then when you guys did it, don't understand the power of you guys saying it and repurposing it because you never said it in a way that wasn't mocking bigotry. It was That's always right. mocking bigotry. Of course. Yeah. No, it was, and it was said that... Uh, I mean, I think the, the in the late '80s or mid '80s and all that, there was kind of uh, the idea was that we could eliminate all the artificial barriers and boundaries between people. That we could stop, we could stop thinking that your your sexuality defined you as a person. It was just a part of who yeah. you were. Yes, or your race, yeah, or, or your gender. Like yeah. gender was just like it was like you know we, we were 
redefining what male and female meant then mm-hmm. while still using the terms male and female. You know, we we're still men and women, but we yeah. were saying that but a man isn't this thing that you've been told it is and a woman isn't this thing you've been told it is yeah, your like whole we life. Now, the my, definition. now my joke clock is going on. I know, I know, I know. It's my fault. I asked a serious yeah. question. And you actually said it, which was very well, brave of I, you. But I put Full it in. Hardy and you're canceled. Yeah, oh no, this, I'm, yeah, I will it. never work again, but it was yeah. worth it yeah. for this moment. <laughs> yeah. um, so so when, I, when I look at you, I, I have to fight the urge to be, I did all my acid in grade eight, Bruce. Yes. Uh, and Kevin, I want to say, hey, bass player. And Dave, I want to say, I'm not being sarcastic. And I'm Mark, I want to crush your head. And Scott, actor, singer, dancer, model, Canadian. <laughs> for decades, you've had the experience of having people you don't know quote your own work back to you and I'm curious how that experience has been and, and how it's evolved well I'm glad you picked ones that I remember because uh, sometimes, it's the way, sometimes I went for Bruce's album to do a deep yeah, cut some stuff I just don't remember at all or, or sometimes I remember getting on a, I was getting on a plane once and uh, a guy in you know very slow moving through the tunnel to get on the plane and the guy behind me just said uh, one dip of balls in it Oh yeah, oh, balls no. in it. I've had. I kept oh, saying. No. I kept saying. Oh, that that wasn't us. That wasn't us. That was that was the state. No, it was you. It was you. And he got furious. And and we were moving so slowly. And he just kept getting more and more angry with me, like for the entire walk onto the plane. And I kept saying, I, it, was, it was the state. It wasn't us. We trust me. We didn't do. I'm going to dip my balls in it at all, ever. And he, and he was. By the time we got on the plane, I thought he was. You know, I, I really wanted the the air marshals to protect me. <laughs> I mean, have, has it been an interesting evolution for, for you guys having random people come up and quote this beloved dialogue all the time that means so much to them? It usually happens after I'm on the phone and my girlfriend splits up with me. And then so, <laughs> so I, mean, I, mean, I say crying. Yeah. <laughs> and then I go and uh, Kevin thing. Uh, thank you. No, I appreciate it. My girlfriend's splitting up with me. Yeah, I'll yeah. crush her head. Um, I don't really feel like crushing her head. I'll crush her. Um, uh, the serious answer is I hated it when the show was on because I was so scared or something. I couldn't. I, I didn't have my on Precious. my own personality anymore. He didn't know how to accept yeah. love. I he did that yeah. all. Yeah. And then now, all these amazing people—it's it, meant something to them. Now, I I love it because it's our show isn't about us; it's about everybody. Yeah, yeah. and that's what. That's why we're doing it. Yeah. That was kind of like the thing we learned on the road, too, when we started touring, uh, while we were making the show, was sort of going, oh, this is way bigger than us. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, not... we were in a comedy factory, like yeah. making making our And our, in our Toronto, which bubble. is a huge yeah. factor yeah. that I yeah. can't yeah. discount. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were not in the business. Yeah. We'd go to Buffalo, and it's like they'd rush the stage. What yeah, that was fun. Like, and, we, and we were like a nice excuse for a bunch of people who, who liked each other to get together. Right. You know, which was more, it was more that. Like, the audience was more about, I think the audience was more excited about each other than us in a lot of ways. But I think for you guys, it really was very Beatlesque in that you it were was. always pushing each other. I mean, I will, I will say, um, I had an experience once uh, when I was very young at the Bottom Line nightclub in Greenwich Village mm. being oh. there for Get Naked for Jesus. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I was in the audience. Before cell phones. Yeah. Before cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. David Lynch and Isabella Rossellini were in that audience. <laughs> right? What? Wow. Yeah. They were they were in the audience that night. Oh, I mean, I saw Little Richard in that club. I saw Marianne Faithful in that club. I never saw anything like you guys You've seen all our dicks. Get, yeah. Not yeah. Mine, no, but one. Not Dave. Not mine. I'm I'm legally and then later on, Dave showed his dick constantly in movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, how, I, I, I got out of a, uh, a situation that made me feel bad about my body. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and into a situation that made me feel really good about it. Because more people in the world have seen Dave Foley's dick than our dicks. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not me. Well, but. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm up there with the Statue of David right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how does a sketch like that 
come about? How was a sketch like that pitched to the other members? Bruce, well, Bruce, 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 Bruce wrote that. Yeah, and I, I think I'm a title guy. Naked for Jesus, that sounds like a good idea. And that yeah. was when I was just with Mark, and Mark, Mark was very accepting of my weird ideas and just went with that one. But I don't know how the conversation about guys should we get naked now? Was that was that yeah. your side pitch? Because I remember I used to pitch Sex Girl Patrol every week when we were writers at SNL because the the host would always go Ooh, and then we never write it, and then eventually we did. For well, Kids I I had I had that the same week as you had a great sketch that I, that you never did on the show called Wood, Woodstock Puppet Show. Oh right! Which we do that. Puppets, I like that. Do, like the whole Woodstock concert in like two minutes with yeah. puppets. And it's like if he's got that idea, I better have a good idea. How, uh, how about naked for Jesus? Yeah. How do they react when you said naked for Jesus at SNL? I I don't think they enjoyed it. Did they like any of your ideas when you? No, I ended up writing the liar because I realized that was a job. Oh, oh that's okay. I didn't a know ticket. that. I, I wrote yeah. some of those. Yeah, and the odd update joke. And I wrote for A. Whitney Brown. Yeah. Uh-uh. You did. Yeah. That's right. Uh-uh-uh. That was great stuff. I loved it. it he's, it's still, it, it's still, whole, I saw him a, a few weeks ago at South by Southwest. He's still as sharp as ever. Yeah, I, I, I loved his stuff and I love that you got to write jokes for yeah. him. Like actually, yeah, instead yeah. of writing parody sketches. Prescient stuff, if you yeah. look at it. Yeah. It still holds up. I have a Nick for Jesus story. Oh, yeah, please. Uh, when we did it at the Rivoli, um, uh, I was playing a cop, and I had a badge, and I was supposed to tape it, but I was sweaty, and the tape didn't work. And then Bruce, he took <laughs> it, and he pinned it in my chest. Oh, and, uh, your flesh chest? <laughs> oh, wow. Through your nipple, or just the and I was skin? Blood the centurion pierced your sides. Yeah. You don't remember that? No. Uh, I don't know. I might, yeah, my, Bruce, put it on. Let's just say, Bruce made a lot of us bleed on stage. Yeah. In those states. Oh, no. That night, wasn't the only that one. That night that you saw Naked for Jesus, uh, you know, we were kind of backstage, and I ran into Bruce. We collided, and there was a shoving and spitting match. You, and oh, and you did! Night. You were fucking were fighting. Naked? Were you still naked? Yeah. You yeah. were fighting. And weirdly, were you Mark fight? got erect. It was yeah. weird. Uh, <laughs> were there ever any no sketches that any of you felt bad about in the years that followed? Did you ever think, oh, this was not how I wish I'd expressed myself? Well, or? Not once no. I made it. I, I should feel bad about the AIDS bucket, but I don't. No, it was funny. Uh, I was the AIDS fairy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the Scott Thompson show I feel a little embarrassed by. <laughs> Wait, is that is that Shelley One 2000? Shelley 2000. No, oh, no actually, I think that's gonna that's okay. That's, gonna that's ta- okay? That's gonna age well. No, but yeah. the Scott Thompson show... I'm mortified by. No, I'm mortified by a piece that Dave and I did, which was one step at a time. Oh, that was yeah. Did That's we, just did, a, that, did that ever aired though? Yes, did it? it did. It's did a it? oh, yeah, terrible sketch. Yeah. It didn't offend anyone, <laughs> yeah, but it's and we're a more yeah, we're more we regret sketch. bad writing. We regret yeah. when we don't do a good job of writing a sketch. Right. And uh, and and don't realize it till it's too late. Yeah. Um, in, in this documentary, which is really entertaining, uh, obviously it's going to be jarring for a lot of people uh, to see the conflicts that arose years yeah. ago before the the reunion. And I'm curious, in watching it, was there anything or any testimonials that were a surprise for any of you? Mm. I don't no, think so. I don't think so. I think, we'd have, I think maybe it's just the span out. of the people that, that were more. involved in it. I was <laughs> thrilled, like because you know. I barely knew some of them, but they. I, it was interesting to see that the influence had spread to them. Right. Yeah. right. I was interested in, in the Mark and Bruce footage from Calgary, which I'd never seen before. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I'd never well, seen I that before. Seen any, almost any of the archival yeah, stuff. The, the great oh, but I know all of Bellini's stuff. Of this troupe, mm-hmm. in a way, is Paul Bellini. Of course. And he yeah. is a genius, and we're all, we all love Paul so much. Except um, Kevin. And, Kevin hates Paul. And a, <laughs> Kevin hates Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. He's got the towel. Um, yeah. But he had, he had that camera. Like he's Scott, From day Scott's one, best friend. They hated he, it. He had but. that camera all along. All the time. Yeah. And then it, it's paid off. And he it's his beautiful
You know, yeah. he's like Andy Warhol. He's like yeah. Andy Warhol. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he wore the towel. He archived yes. yes. everything. And if he was here, he would be archiving this. Yeah, but the original purpose of those tapes, I, I don't know, because I would hang out with Scott after the shows. He, Scott would go back and yeah. replay his scenes over <laughs> Not and the scenes, over and the show. I'd watch the whole show. Yes. You wouldn't yeah. fast forward. That's how I learned. But yeah. You'd rewind, you'd your rewind your But stuff. yet you haven't learned. Yeah. That's not, I mean, that's how you're learning? Look, when you play a game and you want to play a game, you go home, you watch the game to know how to get be better at your, at your yeah. sport. Yeah, yeah. That's but I can I analyze doing. Bruce's scene and fast yeah, forward. Yeah, wait a second, <laughs> you watched a little bit as a fan. Yeah, you were a big fan of yourself. I am a f- I'm a fan of the group. Yeah, and but <laughs> watching it, do you never give yourself the note to not sweat so much on stage? Well, I've been trying forever to like stop sweating, but I can't. And so, like, I had everything blocked out. I had Botox in my armpits, every on my face, everywhere. Yeah. It's just not working. No, it would always be like Scott. The theme song is still playing and you're sweating yeah we're, we're, but here you're not making me sweat well i have that effect yeah yeah, yeah. it's also that's, freezing in this room he's a gentle too. giant yeah. <laughs> uh, here, here's a here's a question i really wanted to ask what what has um dressing as women Talking playing about women. aging, playing women about yeah. aging. No, I'm talking about your private life. No, uh, oh, okay. what is playing women uh, and and getting in costume? Uh, what insights has that given you about aging? Because you know oh. Python got back together for their reunion and they still did it, and it's it's hilarious. And so many guys can't do it. Mark. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the first sketch that we did, yeah, the first the, one we the shot was uh, it was Scott and I doing our, our French uh, uh, hookers and on the couch. And Scott looked. Freaking amazing! Yeah, and there wasn't workers. enough makeup mm-hmm. in the world to sort of bring me back to the unbelievable. Mark was so sexy. disappointed because he's, you said that bit. Heather, Mark's girlfriend, said, "Oh, Scott looks really good." And then she, and then he goes, "What about me?" And she's like, "Oh, Scott looks really good." <laughs> and Mark was so jealous at how oh, I, I looked. Was. Yeah, because the character was still there. He yeah, still lives in. Yeah, there. yeah. Because because back then his uh, female character, uh, the hotel rat woman, was better looking than me. And now my character's better looking than him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, One last thing I have to ask. What has been your favorite um, non-kids project that you're most proud of? Because I've loved so many things that you guys have done on your own throughout the years. What, what what, what, What makes you feel the most fondness? No, I'm, I'm still uh, waiting for mine. <laughs> I guess, uh, first, I guess I, I'm one of my proudest failure was the movie called The Wrong Guy. Mm-hmm. That uh, that I I'm really happy with the result of it, but it, it never got released. Mm. So I, I would have to say Tall Boys. This is this yeah. show, a BIPOC sketch show that I do in CBC that's now available in America. It's just it brought me back to sketch comedy, and I was, as we have noted, an animal when we first went through it. It was a way to re-enter this with a new generation of people who are kind and good to each other, mm-hmm. and kind of give that to them. So that's I would say that. Mark? Oh God. Less I had than a ton of fun on Superstore. That was just yeah. that was me being yeah. a character that was really fun with really great people, and I don't know. It's hard to pick between. I, I ran a show in Canada for HBO called Less Than Kind. Mm-hmm. It was my one time as a showrunner. I love that, but I, I, but then will I deny Slings and Arrows, which really kind of oh, yeah. made me a television oh, writer? No, you can't. Mm-hmm. Do. I can't you can't you deny, 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 deny Slings and Arrows. Yeah. Yeah. No deny pa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you turn your back on yourself? No. <laughs> no. I don't know. I'm, I'm lucky. Obviously, I got three things. He's been lucky. Yeah, yeah. I have been lucky. Uh, I'd say lucky. Larry Sanders. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. 
Um, I'm very proud of that. This is it's. I've had three of you on the show before, but it's so wonderful. I never ever thought this would actually happen. I'm sure. I was sure two of you would be hung over and canceled. This is just so lovely. I, I can't. I can't stress this Which enough. Two? To, Which two? Which two? Well, uh, I'll tell you afterwards. Well, we um, know. Paul Bellini was one. Uh, I can't Paul stress enough Dave. how how. Um, terrific the new episodes are how moving i didn't expect the documentary to be so moving it is and how the new episodes really capture the best of what made this troupe edgy and special and yet there is a warmth and a familiarity it's the sort of thing that will get you new fans while still making the the, i I hope you're right yeah definitely Uh, i just i just have waited uh many years as a longtime fan i was at the academy show in new york when i was a kid just to thank you all Uh for expanding my sense of what comedy is or could be and I cannot wait to see what happens next. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank, you. So nice. thank you very much. Thank you very much. I think we've hit a peak. Nice. Yeah. 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 They, they, well, they, the they told me I had to end it on a note of false sincerity. So oh, oh, so well, 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 well done. Well, done. Well, in that case, we've really enjoyed this. Oh, thank you. We'll be right back. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Y'all been on hold for a long time. Let's get to your calls. Dave in Vermont, thank you so much. Hey, John. Uh, Hi. Hey, a couple things on my mind. I just want to clarify one point that was made by one of our favorite politicians a few months back. Okay. Um, a couple weeks ago, you were translating some uh, MTG's uh, testimony from her hearing about whether she's qualified to run yes. again. Yes. A couple months prior to that, you may recall, she made a comment about them um, sending the gazpacho after you. Yes. Yeah, so let me let me just clarify that, okay? The gazpacho police, yeah. Gazpacho police, yeah, yes. Gazpacho Gestapo. Yes. He's a fan of the soup Nazi. <laughs> yes. You remember that episode? Oh, yes, I, I do. Some of that there, Gestapo, Gestapo, no soup for you. You're a maga bitch. Yes. By the way, she, she later said the commander-in-chef, commander-in-chef, which is <laughs> well, great. She said commander-in-chief. She said commander-and-chief, not commander-in-chief. She said commander-and-chief. I think she meant commander-in-chef because well, someone has to prepare a... the Gestapo police. Yeah. Well, anyways. She also, called, she also called Nancy Pelosi the minestrone of propaganda, by the way, pointing that out. Okay, these I'm jokes, so these jokes have legs, baby. Yeah, these jokes have legs. Yes. Okay. Um, more serious note, we, again, have one of these, you know, racially motivated killings. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm sitting up here in northern Vermont, rural America, 
pretty white, but there are, you know, people of color in our neighborhood. And I happen to be, soon to be 65-year-old adoptive parent of kids from DCF who are mm. kids of color, now adults. This goes back 18, 20 years when they came into my life. Right on. And now they have kids of their own. Wow. So, you know, I have a daughter in her mid-20s. She's biracial, like Obama, uh, African-American father, Caucasian mother. And she's married to a white guy. I think she has two young sons under the age of two. Okay. So if these kids were out in public with their dad, you'd see three white guys running around. And if these kids were just two kids with their mother, you'd see this mixed race thing. And I think society at large would look at that in, under two different microscopes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just the, ra- the racial composition and reaction to it. So let me just give you a little more information. So, you know, this girl and her, and her brother, same, same mother, but Guatemalan father. So I have, you know, Hispanic, Native American, Black American, you know, kids my, in my family. God, I'm in love and, with your family. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, see what, you know, we, we can stir up the trouble around here. Anyway. <laughs> you have the most American um, family I've ever heard of. Go on, please. So they, they have like, the same mother I guess uh, five other siblings, four who have been in and out of the correction system. And, you know, we, we have, you know, we take pride in the fact that our kids are productive members of society. So this, I want to connect this. I try to connect dots, and you tell me if this is taken out of of line or not. Okay. We have this ongoing abortion debate, right? Abortion, not abortion, whatever. So it's interesting that Tom Hartman has, I believe it said on a couple of occasions back in the early 90s, 30 years ago, give or take, there was a reduction in crime rates, which happens to be about 18 to 20 years after Roe was enacted. That's true. That's true. Which would be about the age of kids who are coming into their own, right, as young adults. And if they were from a broken home where they were abused, they would have a high probability of ending up in corrections, right? Yeah, yeah. So now, let's go, let's look at what our corrections system is. It's a historical government function that, like many other historical government functions, are now being privatized largely by the GOP side of the slate. Yes, right? largely, There is yes. now for-profit money to be made, right? Yeah, I'm with so you. So now... Let's let's have these unwanted kids. We're not going to pay for them to have the services that, fortunately, my kids were able to, you know, receive via government systems and DCF and that kind of thing. Bring them into a home where they could succeed. We'll just lock them up and we'll get money. And yeah. everybody's happy. That's I mean, how it is. That's it. And by the way, that. more more black men are employed by corporations behind bars in this country today than outside of prisons. There you go. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. nothing I would put past the GOP at this point, not after what I've seen. And it's sad to say that, you know. I mean, I, I, it's, it was hard to follow up that last call, you know, that poor woman. I mean, we've all had our experiences in life where, you know, we've had our struggles. But then you, I have to listen to this guy talking about Mitch McConnell before that. That was really rough, John. <laughs> But listen, I mean, first off, the guy talking about Mitch McConnell was quite brilliant and moral to me. But no, I think, he was. It was. 
It was very enlightening. But it was Teresa, not, Teresa's but it was call is a lot like yours. It, it's it's about love. It's about families with love, and and so in that sense, I think they flow really well into each other, um, very well actually. And it's uh, it's an honor to have so many wonderful people who are such caring parents uh, listen to a show like this because I'm just trying to keep my child, you know, out of the gangs. Well, do, you know, keep on, keep at it, John. That's all you Thank you, do. man. Thank you. I uh, really appreciate you. it. Thanks for your points, Dave. I do. And by the way, a lot of people talk about that. Like, the, there was a precipitous decline in violent crime after the early 1970s. And some people connected to Roe v. Wade. Um, some people connected to the fact that we took lead out of our gasoline. And there are many, many studies. The LA Times did a great piece on this about nine years ago. All the studies that just showed as we had less lead in our gas, there was fewer incidents of violent crime in the country. 